Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is an entertainment podcast and the research we do may come from semi-unreliable sources. Welcome to Research Rebuttal Podcast. It's the podcast where two stubborn friends prove each other wrong. Each week, one of us will be the researcher, and one of us will be the guesser. I'm Rachel Teichman, and this is Paige Dumpster. Hello. And today, we're going to learn about smoke detectors and non-dairy creamer. I'll be your researcher today, and Paige will be the guesser. Let's get rebutted. Hey, Paige. Hi. It's been a while. Yeah, got to get all our sillies out now. Yeah, and I, I want to give an update to our listeners that I have two remaining sea monkeys alive. And one is a male, one is a female. And they have been mating on and off for like a month, like almost nonstop. And I still see no babies. So that's your update. Oh, this this is a very exciting update regardless. They're at it least is. trying. There's nothing like walking into the kitchen and seeing your sea monkeys doing the do, you know? Nothing like seeing two brine shrimp get it on, am I right? Exactly. They're like pandas. They're trying their best, but they just can't make a baby. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with my sea monkeys. I Like, I don't know if they're infertile, but they're definitely, like, pretty horny. You should show them, like, sea shrimp porn. That's what they did for pandas at the zoo. Really? Yeah, and I I don't know if it worked, actually. But it's a method that they've tried, because pandas are really bad at making other pandas. Huh. Well, anyway, um, we're going to talk about smoke detectors. Do you know why we're talking about smoke detectors? Does this have anything to do with Christmas at my house this year? No, actually, I did this research well before that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's been a while. Lots happened. Yeah, sorry, y'all, but uh, living life over here. Living life, going through the motions, making that cash money. Oh, yeah, making so much cash money, bro. Just trying to survive. Yeah, I really just trying to survive. <laughs> um, no, we're talking about smoke detectors because, I don't know, maybe like a month ago, um we were talking about smoke detectors and I think you wanted to know the, like the difference between smoke detectors and carbon monoxide. I don't know. I have no recollection of the situation. Like now that I'm talking about it, I realize that this was a conversation I had with an entirely different friend. And I really hope you're listening to this friend. <laughs> I'm excited to learn about this regardless. Yeah. Okay. So what's a smoke detector? Um, A smoke detector is a device that you put on your ceiling and it goes beep, beep, beep while you're cooking. And like, it's only like does what it's intended to do. I would say one out of a solid 700 times. Mm -hmm. 
you definitely gave more of a definition than I provided, which is it's just a device that detects smoke. Okay. Wait, it doesn't detect heat. We're going to talk about how smoke detectors work. Okay. I have a bone to pick with smoke detectors. What is it? I don't like them. Okay. (laughs) Well, okay. I said it in my definition. I think nine out of 10 times they're a nuisance. You're just sitting there cooking your eggs. It's your birthday. You don't have any butter to put in the pan. So you're like, oh, maybe I can just use water instead. And then like what steams up. I was 20. Okay. I didn't know. That's even worse of an excuse. I didn't know how to cook until I was like at least 21. And then the smoke detector goes beep, beep, beep. And then everyone has to go outside at like eight in the morning, everyone in the dorm, and it's on your birthday. They've done me dirty. Okay. <laughs> They've really done me dirty. And I, therefore, I have a vendetta against them. My next question was Have you ever had a smoke detector incident? And obviously, you have. I've had multiple incidents. I can keep going if you want. Yeah, I could too. Um, I've had several, but the one that I always think of that I had was, um, I don't know if you remember this. Actually, I think you probably will. Um, When I was living in my apartment during, it was like, I think my junior year of college and there was a low battery And it was like after the maintenance people had already left for the day and then it would like beep extremely loudly, periodically, like every 20 seconds or something. I hate when smoke detectors do that. And then you try to take the battery out and you don't know how. So you're just sitting there. No, you're standing there on the chair and you're like, what do I do? So you have to go find tools and you don't have the right tools. And so you just end up ripping it out of the ceiling and chucking it in the junk drawer. Well, see, I didn't even have that option because, first of all, these were tall ceilings. I am a short person. (laughs) I got on a chair, absolutely had no hope of reaching it. I ended up putting a step stool on top of a chair, very safe. And then... And then I had to use like a chopstick. And even with that, I could just barely even hit the button, let alone get it off the ceiling. And so I I worked at it and I worked at it and I finally got it unhinged from the ceiling only to figure out that it was attached also by a wire into the ceiling. Yep. 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 And so even though I managed to whack the battery out, it did not matter. Yep. Keeps going. Yeah. Keeps and keeping. it was awful. I did not sleep that night. I can imagine. Like just having a fire alarm and living in like a college dorm or an apartment or like an apartment complex or just anywhere that you're in close vicinity with other people is just the worst. It was because so it- bad. If it goes off and it's your fault, that is guilt that you can never come back from. I went to the staff the next morning and I was like, you need to take care of this right now. And they were like, well, it's Saturday and maintenance no, is here. No, you don't understand. They were like, can't you find somewhere else to sleep tonight? And I'm like, it's my, it's my dorm, sir. Yeah, it was my apartment. I was paying to be there. And also I had bun. I was oh, like, no. ma'am, I have a live animal in here who is stressed. 
Oh my God. So, so then she ended up calling the maintenance to come out on a weekend anyway. And I said to the maintenance guy, I was like, listen, I'm sorry, but this is like necessary. So long story short, fire alarms right now are awful. And necessary. But also awful. When were they invented? This seems like a 50s invention. I see why you say that, but it was first patented in, or well, the first electric fire alarm was patented in 1890 by Francis Robbins Upton. Oh, that was a while ago. Who was Francis Robbins Upton, an associate of? Thomas Edison. Yep. I remember that from the Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. I remember our Thomas Edison episode that was like a month ago at this point. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's not your fault. It is a little bit. It's, bo- it's a little both of our faults. True. How much less did the risk of dying from house fires get reduced after smoke detectors started being used? <sighs> okay. I mean... I want it to be not a significant amount so I can continue to rail on fire alarms. I'm going to say 10%. 50%. God damn it. Okay, fine. And that was just like, you know, in the early 1900s, I guess. Yeah, but, you know, they that was like the Wild West era of electricity. People were setting things on fire all the time. As someone who lives in a major United States city with the Citizen app, I can tell you that fires are happening every single day. Yeah, but are they caused by... eh, whatever. (laughs) How do smoke detectors detect smoke? Um, They detect heat and perhaps vapors, because one time in one of my other dorms we had a fire alarm that would go off if you left the door open after taking a shower and it detected the steam (laughs) so perhaps there's vapors involved i don't know maybe just like it sniffs the air and it's like that's not right and then it goes off so it's not exactly based on temperature so here's a quote to start us off smoke can be detected either optically photoelectric, or by physical process ionization. Oh, okay. It's actually like much more complicated than I imagined. And I'm impressed that it came out, like the first electric ones came out as early as they did. I feel like the electric ones, you know, they came out in 1890. They couldn't have been super complicated though. No, but I mean, but kind of though. And like the technology hasn't like for basic household smoke detectors the technology hasn't changed all that much um how does an ionization smoke detector work okay so i don't really even know what ionization means fully so you're just gonna have to explain this one to me okay it quote uses a radioisotope typically americium americium i don't know how to pronounce it i think it's americium because like America because like America I don't like it well they also have like europium I think because for Europe that feels more natural but anyway typically americium dash 241 to ionize air and then it has two chambers 
one is open to the air and one that is closed off and doesn't allow particle entry. And so, quote, the radioactive source emits alpha particles into both chambers, which ionizes some air molecules. And so this allows an electric current to flow, keeping everything constant in both chambers. But if smoke particles enter the open chamber, the circuit opens and sets off the alarm. That was a long string of words. It was, but like, it makes sense. Yeah, I think so. And it's cool because like, I never really know what any of the elements do at like the bottom of the periodic table. So it's cool to see how one of them is used. Yeah, and I think it's really cool how it's directly related to just a really basic electric current and just a chamber is open and a chamber is closed. And that I think that's cool. Well done, Francis. Well done, Francis. I don't think you're going to like this question either. How does a photoelectric smoke detector work? Okay, I assume there's a tiny camera in the in the fire detector, the smoke alarm. And it's just like, oh, there's darkness now. Beep, beep. Okay, so quote, it contains a source of infrared, visible, or ultraviolet light, typically an incandescent light bulb or light-emitting diode LED, a lens, and a photoelectric receiver, typically a photodiode. I think those are the ones that we have in our house. Maybe. So I don't like those ones. Okay. And when the light intensity, it like in a room or like in the, you know, like the light that's hitting, I guess, is lowered due to smoke or other substances, the alarm goes off. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And um, so which type is better for a fire like that has just started or a fire that's already raging? I think when like the fire is already raging, I think the photo one would be better. And for a fire that's just started, I think the um, ionization one would be better. It's the other way around. God damn it. Okay. Tell me why. I, the way that I'm understanding it, and I could be kind of wrong here, is that with the photo electric smoke detector, its main thing is based on light and so like and so it's going to detect an earlier fire because even if the fire is pretty small the smoke is still going to go up and into the detector where until like block the light where like an ionization is better for raging because at that point like the particles are getting in Right. Okay. So my reasoning was essentially the other way around in that the particles would get into it when it was just starting and it would be enough to set off the alarm and the infrared light wouldn't, you know, detect the darkness in it until it was a lot of smoke. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's also the photoelectric one is better for big open spaces like an auditorium Uh, okay yeah how do smoke detectors detect carbon monoxide 
they're like, wow, that's a lot of carbon beep beep. I'm going to keep this really short because I didn't want to make this too long. It usually uses, quote, infrared gas sensors, NDIR, and chemical gas sensors. NDIR. Yeah. And it it seems like it's kind of similar to a smoke detector technology, and that's why you often see two in one. Ooh, okay. Now I'm getting to the question that now I'm realizing is why I actually really wanted to do this episode, which is why do RC helicopters set off smoke detectors? Because this is like, okay, okay. So like several years back, I, um, no, you know what it was? I was 13. It was right after my bat mitzvah. I had received a bunch of bat mitzvah money but my parents and then my parents had me put it all in the bank, which, you know, smart. And yeah. but they gave me but they know that I'm like not the kind of person to just spend a bunch of money on something that I want usually. Yeah. Yeah. And so they took a hundred dollars of it, gave it to me and they were like, you have to go spend this on something you want. That's like funny. So you, so you bought an RC helicopter? I bought an RC helicopter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I went to Toys R Us and I bought an RC helicopter. Okay. And, yeah. And like when I said it, it's like, it was like meant to be an indoor RC helicopter. It was really small. Mm-hmm. And like I turned it on, started using it. And all of a sudden the smoke detectors were going off. <laughs> And so anytime I wanted to fly my RC helicopter, we had to take the smoke detectors down. (laughs) Well, okay. How close were you flying it to them? Not close, not like super close. Like if I was in the living room, it would be setting off the smoke detector. That's like in the upstairs hallway. (laughs) So it's not like far, but it's not like super close either. Okay. So my original theory does not suit that because what I was originally going to say is like maybe it sees the propellers moving so quickly and it's like maybe it looks like smoke to um like the photo one like because it's it detects a lot of darkness when there wasn't darkness there because of the propeller blades but if you're doing it in the living room and the smoke alarm was going off upstairs. Yeah. And I think it also might have been setting off the one downstairs too. Oh, I have another theory though. Okay. Does it have to do with like the infrared controls between the remote and the helicopter? I can't believe you said that, but like maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's like part of the answer. Well, because it wasn't one of them. Yeah. Wasn't one of them like infrared detecting blah, blah. Yeah, but, like, it's funny because, like, I'm talking about, I specifically said RC. Yeah. Okay, so here's the answer. So, (laughs) like, I didn't know this, but apparently, like, even though I'm using RC, like, remote control as, like, an umbrella term, I didn't know it was an umbrella term because there's also, like, there can be infrared toy helicopters. Does our remote control not use infrared? They're two different things so there are new to me so there are infrared controlled toys that seem remote controlled because like you're still using like a remote but then there's actual remote control that really is using remote technology so even though functionally when you're playing with it it's the same the technology can be infrared 
That is so weird. Yeah. And so like, depending on the type of toy infrared versus remote control, it can either way, it can emit particles that trigger the alarm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Really interesting. I had no idea. Well, how could you? <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, like they put a disclaimer on the back of the package or something, or maybe they did. I don't know. I don't know. And it's weird because like I've had other remote control toys in the house that didn't do that. Yeah. I had like an RC helicopter when I was little and it didn't do that to our smoke alarms. I'm going to be oh, honest. I love oh, RC helicopters. Like the oh, little so ones. Do I. So yeah. do I. It's like a lot of stupid things set off the fire alarm, but that was not one of them. Yeah. It was weird. <laughs> and finally, I think this is the part where the reference where you and I were talking comes in because like, you were like, how much do I have to spend on a smoke detector? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. Yeah. This was like recently you asked me that question. I do not remember yeah, this at yeah. all, but that sounds like me. So I'll believe you. I think it was like, like maybe a day before I did this research. You oh, asked me okay. That. Yeah. Uh, so there were like multiple reasons for doing this topic. <laughs> What's the difference between a cheap smoke detector and an expensive one for household use? Okay. Um, perhaps the cheap one doesn't have like as sensitive of an alarm or perhaps it has too sensitive of an alarm and it goes off too often. Um, maybe, maybe they don't use American or wh- whatever it is. Maybe they use like European and it's inferior. Generally speaking, there's not a huge difference um, in quality. Like the websites were saying that for household use, you should not spend more than $50, but like really you don't even have to spend that much. It's really about for quality of components over anything else. So like maybe don't spend $10, maybe spend like, I don't know, 25. Per smoke detector? Yeah, I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out there, but I'm just saying, like, maybe don't get the absolute cheapest one, but, like, you don't have to spend 50. I mean, smoke detectors have to be regulated to some point. They have to be. They're, like, a safety thing. Right. So, it's like, how bad could the cheapest one be? I mean, this is life and death. I mean... It's still just about the quality, but I mean, yeah. also there are, you can actually often go to your local firehouse and like ask them for a smoke detector and carbon monoxide detector and they'll give you one. Oh, well, I didn't know that. If they have the budget for it. Yeah, they'll do that. Well, around here they should. This is it's expensive to live around here. It is. <laughs> they better. Yeah. It's the funnest fact I've heard all day. <laughs> I'm going to the fire department tomorrow. Fun fact, they will also do like child safety seat safety checks. Like oh, cool. It, yeah, like if you like have a baby, you can bring your um car seat to the firehouse and like they'll show you, like they'll see your setup and they'll tell you if it's good or not. And if it's not good, they'll show you how to do it properly. If I ask them nicely, do you think they'll let me slide down the pole? I don't think so. (sighs) Okay. I know. I get it. 
And now it's time for a word from our sponsors. Are you afraid of fires in your house? Do you ever get bored with your smoke detector? Do you just want to be safe? Then you need the RC Helicopter Smoke Detector Carbon Monoxide Detector. The RC Carbon Monoxide Detector Smoke Detector RC Helicopter. Have fun while checking for safety. Simply fly it all around the room. And when it's on and active and you're having a grand old time, you'll also stay safe because if there is a fire or carbon monoxide, it'll go beep, beep. The RC Helicopter Smoke Detector Carbon Monoxide Detector. Check your local laws if this is okay. Brought to you by the American Citrus Council. Okay, I don't claim to know how to read lip, but I think you said beep beep at least once throughout. (laughs) (laughs) Am I right? Yeah, that did happen once. (laughs) Welcome back. Hello. Did you get your RC helicopter smoke detector carbon monoxide detector? Is that what we were advertising (laughs) this week? Yep. Um... Yes. And, you know, it works like a dream. I'm so glad. Me too. Um, It's time. It's been a while. It's been a while. Have you been adding to the list all this time? Oh, diligently. Oh, great. Don't you worry. And like odd hours too. The last time this was updated was December 20th, 2021 at 2.34 a.m. So <laughs> this is, there's some good ones in here. Great. This is how this is going to work. I'm going to give Rachel one minute to answer as many questions as possible. And if you hear this noise, that means she got it right. And if you hear this noise, that means she got it wrong. Are you ready? Ready. Name three Nickelodeon shows that began airing before the year 2000. Rugrats, Hey Arnold, Doug. How many flavors of Kit Kat are there in Japan? A lot, like more than 50. How do ingrown hairs happen? Because they get trapped. What element is porcelain made of? I have no idea. Name four kinds of trees. Elm, oak, apple, walnut. What is the quadratic formula? X equals negative B plus or minus the square root of B squared minus 4AC all over 2A. Oh my god. How many gallons of water get used in the average shower? 20. How many Instagram followers do we have as of this recording? Oh no. 20? <laughs> <laughs> Which came first, Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network? Nickelodeon. What is a palindrome? It's a word that's like the same back and front, like top. And of we're out of time. I don't want to hear it anymore. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was surprised. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't know if the quadratic format, I don't know if that was 100% correct. It was. I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to check. I want you to check right now. But I don't even remember what you said. I said X equals negative. Okay, okay, eight. hang on, hang on. Quadratic formula. <laughs> like you can't remember the five core properties of enlightenment, but you can know the quadratic <laughs> formula. All right, let's hear it. Okay, X equals negative B 
plus or minus the square root of b squared minus 4ac all over 2a. Oh my god. (laughs) I failed math more than once, but I can tell you the quadratic formula. That is impressive. (laughs) Did did you remember it? I guess not, Um, because you had to check. You know, I feel like if I was given it in a quiz format, I probably could have told you because my math teacher, when we were learning it, she gave us like a song to memorize for it. Yeah, us too. Oh, really? I wonder if it was the same song. It probably was. <laughs> and and I had to relearn the quadratic formula like multiple times. Like, oh, God. Partially because I failed Algebra 1 and I had to retake it. <laughs> yeah good times (laughs) yeah um but oh but what I was getting at is I can only like hear it recited to me in the beat of the song I can't like you saying it like barely registered for me so I had to double check that's fair (laughs) okay anyway I couldn't tell you like how to actually use the formula yeah neither could I I may not have failed any math classes, but I got pretty damn close, at least my junior year. The quadratic, that's like the one where it's all curvy, right? On the map, on the, on the, on the graph. The map. The map. <laughs> well, they're both planes, right? Um, yeah, map and a graph are both planes. Um, you know, I couldn't tell you. I think it has something to do with graphs. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's like the curvy curves. Um, perhaps. I'm pretty sure that's like a parabola. Yeah, yeah. And then like you calculate the space under the parabola. Maybe that's what the quadratic formula is for. This is a transition in case this next part seems out of nowhere. What is non-dairy creamer? Oh, um, non-dairy creamer is stuff that you put in your coffee that isn't made of milk. Yeah, so I'm yeah, so I'm not talking about things like almond milk as an alternative creamer. I'm talking specifically about things like coffee mate and like oh. and like international delight, like ID, like that kind of thing. So not like oat milk. Right. Yeah, I know something that is labeled as non-dairy creamer. Oh, wild. Okay. This is much different than I, what I thought we were initially doing. Okay. Um, okay. In that case, non-dairy creamer is what you put in your coffee. That one isn't necessarily from a cow. Um, and if it is from a cow, all of, all of the cow things have been taken out. So it can be non-refrigerated if you put it in a tiny little cup. Um, it's probably a lot of chemicals if I had to guess. Do you like non-dairy creamer? Um, you know, it honestly comes down to the brand and the flavor. Um, because I've seen you consume quite a lot of non-dairy creamer. Oh yeah. Uh, I usually consume. The only reason I ever get it is if I want sugar-free creamer. Um, but yeah, I'll consume it every once in a while. Coffee Mate does me dirty sometimes. Some of their flavors are very deceptive. Hmm. Is non-dairy creamer actually non-dairy? Um, I would certainly hope so. 
as that is how it's advertised, is it not? It is It is labeled as non-dairy creamer, but that does not necessarily mean that it is non-dairy, as I've learned. That's not good. Does the FDA know that? Yes. And okay. not labeled non-dairy creamer can, can contain casein, which is a protein in dairy oh. milk. Yes, I know what casein is. That's from the spicy episode. Yeah, and so if... You mean capsaicin? Yeah, capsaicin is the spicy, but casein extinguishes it. Right, okay. So... um, You take me four. Yeah, (laughs) so... So, like, vegans could end up consuming non-dairy creamer and have it actually contain animal product. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, no. Check your ingredients, people. Yeah, check your ingredients, people. How and when was non-dairy creamer invented? Um, ooh. This, I imagine there's a story behind this one, and I hope there is. Um, once upon a time there was a farmer who loved to put milk in his coffee. So he would go out every morning and milk his cows, set some of it aside to sell, set some of it aside for his coffee. And then one day, you know, he just pinched the titty a little too hard and the cow kicked him in the nuts. And he said, you know what, cow, I've had it with you. So he took the milk back into his house and he sucked out all the dairy from it and he showed it to the cow and he made the cow cry and he used the cow's tears in his coffee. And that is what it's made of to this day. I really like your story. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> but it's not accurate. Okay. What's, what's the story? The what's story, the tea? The tea or the teat is. <laughs> Uh-huh. Fulton Rex Diamond, who were who? what's the name? So his first name is Holton, but I guess everybody everybody called him Rex. Okay. Worked for the company Rich Products. And he experimented from 1943 to 1945 with a quote gelatinous form of soybean of soybean protein to make a soy cream. That would not form curds when mixed with coffee. Whack. And what a name, must, might I say. Yeah, really. Was there dairy creamer in the early commercial mix? Um, I assume so. Yeah, there was, but it didn't dissolve well in hot coffee. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah, so in 1958, Carnation developed a non-dairy creamer to mostly replace the dairy version that could that could dissolve. What did I they recognize use? that. I recognize that brand. Yeah, Carnation. What did they use? Um, powder. <laughs> yeah, but but how did they? What did they use to make it actually dissolve? So that the dairy version could dissolve. Casein. Vegetable oil. Whoa. What was this branded as and when did it start selling? Um, It was branded as Carnation Coffee Powder. And what was the other question? 
When did it start selling? 1973. It was branded as Coffee Mate in 1961. (gasps) Whoa, that's the brand that I use. Exactly. What's the main ingredient in regular instead of fat-free non-dairy creamer? Powder. (laughs) Um... maltodextrin that probably is an ingredient but like the primary ingredient in regular water hydrogenated vegetable oils which we know as trans fat yeah cool that's not healthy no (laughs) what's another common ingredient maltodextrin solidified corn syrup Ooh, solidified yeah but i guess because like it can be turned into powder like that's like Um, less that's like less gross to me than like trans fat see if you just call it trans fat it doesn't sound as gross but when you call it by its other name i think it sounds grosser well that's hydrogenated hydrogenated vegetable oil yeah hydrogenated hoo-ha yeah yeah because they literally add hydrogen to the fat molecules to make it more stable Ew. Yeah, not good for you. You have enough hydrogen. You don't need any more. You're beautiful. Drawing a maze on my arm. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's a whole mood. (laughs) Uh, Is non-dairy creamer that still has dairy considered kosher? And I don't mean kosher style. I mean like certified kosher. Is non-dairy creamer with dairy still in it kosher? Yeah. Um, you know, I guess as long as they don't add any other mystery animal products, I would assume so. So basically, it can be still certified as kosher. However, it has to be classified as a kosher dairy product. And so obviously this means that it can't be consumed in the same meal that contains like meat, like animal flesh. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would like you to do an episode on like kosher foods because I still have a lot of questions. That episode could take hours. I can imagine. Yeah. Maybe we'll have a Passover special. That's a whole other type of kosher. <laughs> that is like special. Oh kosher. no! Okay, that's, maybe that's we'll a have kosher a, that only lasts for eight days. Okay, maybe like we'll have that a, is. We'll have a we'll have a Purim special. How about that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, isn't Purim in March? Typically, but you know the calendar is always. Oh bit, yeah, calendar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Purim. You know, it's just around the corner. Maybe we'll have a Purim special. Perhaps. Okay. What's a non-food way that you can use non-dairy creamer? A think non- powder. Think powder. Uh-oh, you keep saying okay. powder, so think powder. Well, I'm hoping people aren't consuming it like pixie sticks. Um, I bet it tastes pretty good, though. Ew. No, I don't trust powder. Okay, hear me out. Yeah, I've seen, I don't know when I saw this, but there was an insane video of someone fixing a sink, like a porcelain sink that had a huge chunk taken out of it. 
by using ramen, like instant ramen. Okay. So maybe it can be used <laughs> as a sort of cement, like instant ramen noodles can. I am um, unsure of the efficacy of using ramen as cement. I am. Okay. I'm going to find it. I'm going to find the video and I'm going to post it. I think I know what you're talking about. I'm pretty sure like I've seen it. It's insane, but I want to know how long it lasted. Yeah, that's what I want to know. Against water. Yeah. So anyway, it can be, non-dairy creamer can be used in film because the powder can create like a fireball effect. Oh my God. It's that flammable? Well, it's powder. Most powders are, so. Oh, oh no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. So anyway, that about does it for this episode of Research <laughs> Rebuttal Podcast. You can find us on social media, on Twitter at Research Rebut, and on Facebook and Instagram at Research Rebuttal Podcast. You can email us topic suggestions at researchrebuttalpodcast at gmail.com. And let us know. Um have you ever made your own explosive? And how do you feel about smoke detectors? What non-consumption use do you have for non-dairy creamer? Yeah, let us know. Well, and uh, American Citrus Council, I know it's been a few weeks, but um, you really need to give us your money. You haven't given us our holiday bonus yet. We need our holiday bonus. Think of the we, children. We were we have promised. families. Uh, forget the family. I got rent to pay soon. Yeah, same. <laughs> anyway, bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.